Triple VC, and today we're going to talk about cross-border investing and investing in Africa specifically. So, Sai, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Ripple VC. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Constantine. This is a, a, a giant pleasure. Uh, so, as a background, I managing partner of Ripple Venture Capital, as you, as you mentioned, and prior to founding Venture Capital, I was startup director at GSV Labs, an innovation center out in the Bay Area where I oversaw all activities related to the success of startups. We had over 100 startups in our community, uh, startups like Nascent Objects and Private Core, both acquired by Facebook. My backgrounds in business development, primarily in telecoms and then moved, moved out to payments, um, generally around technology and innovation from Nigeria, Canada, and the U.S. Got it. So what does Ripple VC invest in? What's the thesis or are you generalist investors? Uh, Ripple VC is early stage, so it's a C stage fund. We, uh, we focus on African companies, uh, African enterprise software companies, building, comp building products uh, and process automation, data security, drug discovery and diagnostics and operational intelligence, which is really um, a catch-all for location intelligence. So uh, geospatial data analysis, uh, competitor uh, intelligence, uh, predictive maintenance and physical asset tracking. God, that sounds pretty complicated to be quite honest. So you're raising a fund <laughs> right now, but the fund is located in the U.S. While you're investing in Africa, why is that? Why didn't you decide to put uh, the fund somewhere in Africa? Uh, that's a good question. So I did look around, um, but I found that the administration partners, uh, partner that uh, I decided to go along with, had an unbeatable service. Um, and also for the price, it's a small... $10 million funds. So um, I can't afford to, you know, be spendy. Um, mm -hmm. So for the for the price that they're, that they're uh, asking, they by far much better uh, a service. So it, it was an absolute no brainer. Um, also helped that the Ripple VC itself is a Delaware LLC. Um, so it just it was just a natural fit for it to be domiciled in the U.S. and become a, Del a Delaware LP. Got it. So why did you decide to invest in Africa? What's so special about Africa? And I've heard some of my other speakers, actually, they do some sort of investments in Africa. And I've heard other podcasts on fundraising that were covering African investments. And I still don't understand what's so special about it. Uh, so... <clears throat> I actually didn't uh, realize the opportunity until I came out here in 2015 uh, to put together a different fund strategy than actually, or it was a Series A strategy for the Bay Area. And it wasn't when I, until I got here that I realized the incredible amount of zeal and drive that entrepreneurs have here. It's unlike anything I've seen before. And I, I couldn't help but wonder what if founders here had the, 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 you know, the same opportunities 
as other founders in more established ecosystems. And I thought, oh man, that, that could be magical. Uh, so, you know, I, and then I started to work with the government to figure out the, the, the ecosystem strategy and spent a lot of time with founders, uh, just learning about their challenges and you know, how they're winning in spite of their challenges, uh, which is very inspiring. Um, and then I started to see over the years, started to see a couple of trends converge to create an opportunity, two trends. One of those is uh, VCs are moving downstream, creating uh, gaps in earlier stages, so pre-seed and seed stage. So they're focusing on Series A, mostly because they're the biggest backers of funds on the continent are DFIs. And DFIs look to write $10 million checks and $50 million companies. And as you can imagine, uh, $50 million fund uh, backing seed companies raising $200,000, half a million dollars, uh, can get incredibly capital inefficient real quick. So, uh, so it made sense to focus on uh, later stages, Series A, where you know we could focus on 10, 15 deals versus 100. Um, but that created an issue because now the companies at the earlier stages weren't getting funded to become pipeline for these series A investors. Enter the second trend. Accelerators, very well established on the continent now. Uh, my favorite two, uh, probably in the back 90% of companies that would go on to great exits, um, the Google and Facebook Accelerator here in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, and they are helping companies gain initial attraction. Some of them are writing equity-free pre-seed capital into these companies. Um, and that's, that's, and that's great. Uh, uh, their own challenges. Now they're looking for small VCs who can help those companies get to, to the next level. So from C to series A and you have series A investors looking for small investors who can bring C companies that are now series A ready. So the gap that I, I you know, I, I, I saw emerge and that I'm looking to fill is that seed gap where I'm solving the problems for the pre-seed accelerators and for the Series A investors. Now, there's also the economic angle to things. Um, because the quality of the company, uh, quality of founders and the ecosystem is increasing and getting better, um, some of the companies that are being built out here are world-class. Uh, and given that the equity prices are a lot lower than they are in other established regions of the world, it makes sense as investors in growth opportunities to take a very hard look at African entrepreneurs. And I would encourage all seed stage VCs around the world to take a hard look and also LPs who are looking to diversify their exposure. Take a hard look at the African startup ecosystem, reach out to seed VCs and see what you can learn. Um, I think there's a tremendous opportunity here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I've never been to Africa personally, so I have absolutely no experience with that ecosystem. But I tend to believe people, so I believe you. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> let's let's move back a little bit towards U.S. investments. Have you ever, mm. do you have experience in investing in U.S.-based companies? Uh, yeah, so while I was at the Accelerator, we uh, at the incubator of GSV Labs, 
we did look at a few companies um, and made a few investments, uh, non personally, but as an entity, yes. Got it, got it. All right, so what do you think is the major difference between the US company and uh, an African company? Uh, the main difference is um, African companies have to deal with um, a much tougher environment, mm -hmm. um, number of levels, uh, access to power, or lack of access to power, uh, epileptic internet access. Um, uh, um, they're not exactly uh, drowning in a sea of um, a, a really strong community of, you know, uh, uh, mentors and corporate partners. Um, you know, and, and that makes it incredibly challenging to prove out the concept, to prove product market fit that gives you and gets you, you know, to, to uh, across the, the table from a VC gets you in a position to get across uh, uh, the table from a VC. Uh, it's an incredibly challenging environment, but that's also helping to extract the very best from the founders. Um, and the founders that that succeed in this environment are definitely founders you want to take a hard look at. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. U.S. environment is extremely challenging especially in the Bay Area and nearby areas. But let's talk a little bit about what do investors think of cross-border investing. So you're located, your fund is located in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and you're investing mm -hmm. in Africa. What do American investors think of this model? Do, do you have any uh, connections to the U.S. investors who are willing to do this sort of investments? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I, I, I know of a few. Um... Uh, and not all of them are African. Um, so I think it, it takes a, a bit of bravery and a bit of a, an adventurous mindset. And also some may call it common sense in terms of uh, giving yourself exposure and not limiting yourself to deals within you know 30 minute drive. Um, so there are investors who are uh, shall we say shyer than others um, and the more shy ones are you know they're saying oh, we don't really understand the African space and that's okay mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't understand the Latin American market you know what I mean like so you know, that's okay you know, not everybody understands everywhere I'm just African so I understand the African ecosystem um, which by the way is 55 countries so it's not just one small market um, <laughs> But of a general sense, right. uh, um, you know, and those those investors are saying, okay, you know, and some of them I spoke with, you know, some of them are saying, okay, you you're you know you have a stronger understanding of the ecosystem. You're there in Africa. Why don't we work this way? Let us know when you find really strong deals that are getting you know approaching Series A. And then because we trust your experience, um, trusting your experience um, and the quality of companies that you've worked with and continue to work with, we'll take a hard look at those companies. And then we can, so that, that's, a, that's a way for some people uh, to 
get into the African ecosystem through working with CVCs. And that's why I keep encouraging uh, LPs and prospective LPs to reach out, um, try to get in touch with uh, seed investors who are African folk, Africa-focused seed investors. There's a lot to learn. There's a tremendous opportunity. Um, but obviously, there are others who, you know, jumping feet first. Uh, the, the leading accelerators, 500 and YC, have been investing in, in African companies for since 2013, I believe. Um, they saw the light a long time ago. Uh, they realized that problems being solved here are not typical of problems being solved in other regions around the world, but they're problems and opportunities can be built around problems and businesses can be built around those. Uh, so they see it and, they, and they, they op they're open enough to um, accept it and accommodate it. Um, but again, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, there are nuances uh, that you know, some people just wouldn't want to bother with. Um, in some instances, there are language barriers, and though many of the countries speak uh, speak English, uh, some speak French. Uh, um, but again, it, it's without really understanding these nuances, nuances, that's why it makes sense to have partners on the continent uh, who are boots on the ground. There's a VC firm in the Bay Area um, that works with several uh, pre-seed and seed VC firms, uh, Africa-focused VC firms. Um, so, you know, that's a model that can be replicated uh, around the world, uh, I think. And uh, because the way I look at Africa today uh, is the way I think many people would have looked at China and India, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, hmm. I mean, we've come a lot, China, those two countries have come a long way from, um, you know, out, the, the, the favorite outs outsource uh, uh, posts. Um, I think that, um, among many things, those countries have taken very de deliberate steps to send their best and brightest out to the Bay Area uh, through whatever means necessary, schoolwork, pitch competitions, accelerator programs, what have you. And over the years, uh, these entrepreneurs have been able to do excellently well, kick butt, and have taken some of that value back home, value in terms of their experience, value in terms of their connections and their network uh, and their money. They've taken all of that back home and look at those ecosystems today. Now, Africa isn't one country, um, but it's a similar, it's a region with, with a similar population and I would argue a hungrier population. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think it makes all kinds of sense. Um, no need to come out here yet, um, but reach out to Africa-focused seed investors reach out, find them, reach out, and, and just learn. What, what are we missing? Because you are missing. I guarantee you that. <laughs> if you're not looking, looking in Africa right now, you absolutely are missing. Africa is a tremendous growth opportunity, and we are in the business of growth opportunity. So why not look at Africa? If you can't figure it out yet, that's okay. Reach out, learn, partner. Over time, figure it out. No one, You don't have to figure it out day one, but look at Africa. I think the major concern of anyone, especially U.S.-based, is that the African government structure. So here in the U.S., mm -hmm. there, there's extreme support from the government, multiple grants, tons of grants, uh, support from uh, small business administration, mentorship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
and mm -hmm. in Africa, I've heard horrible stories about it. But hopefully, the situation right. is changing right now, and I believe mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's talk about uh, the standard thing that I hear a lot. When someone mm -hmm. starts a company in a third world country or uh, mm -hmm. just non-US based country, uh, mm -hmm. nearly all of them are aiming to go to the US market because US market is mm -hmm. one of the largest, one of the richest markets in the world. Uh, do you right. see that a lot in Africa right now or do you think that it's not really a necessity anymore and they can just stay where they are? Uh. I don't I don't think it's a necessity to be honest I think it for the most part I think it depends on the kind of business and where um, so I like to think about it this way where are your users one two where are your potential acquirers right that that's how I like to think about it not just oh we're starting a company let's go to the states um, what if no one in the states is your customer <laughs> you know what I mean it's like mm -hmm. so it you know it depends um, right. so I, I don't I don't think all, you know, all companies are trying to, I think for those that um, being in the States could help, I think it helps to go to the States, um, but not necessarily for, not necessarily for everyone, to be honest. Absolutely. So, so I mean, one of the companies that I'm looking at right now, um, they are helping um, any business basically be a virtual ISP. Um, and there's a tremendous market for that here, you know. Um, so I see no reason why they would want to go to the states tomorrow. You know, right. they haven't even covered Nigeria yet. You know, I mean, it's a <laughs> brand new company, but there's just so much opportunity here; it's ridiculous. So, you know, for that kind of company, maybe down the line when you know they're a household name on the continent and they're looking for new markets to expand into, sure, um, but not tomorrow. Um, so it really depends if you're if you're um, building a company um, that um, you know the likes of you know Google and and Apple are going to want to take a hard look at, then it makes sense to be in their vicinity, you know, so they can keep an eye on progress. And you know, should should they uh, arrive at a, at a point where they they think it makes sense to take a hard look, then you know, yes, um, you know, I, I wouldn't see them thinking, oh, let's go to Africa, let's go look for, you know, acquisition opportunities. I think they're probably more focused on, you know, companies in the Bay Area. So if mm -hmm. you're, if you, if that's the play, then yes, you know, it makes sense. So, you know, really what I'm trying to say it is it depends. Right. Yeah. It, and it, you can see the appeal of why companies may want to come out to the Bay or come out to the States um, because that's a really good place to expand global, globally through. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I can see that as well, but um, I don't think it's every company that's being set up that's trying to head out to the States. Maybe right. the ones coming through the accelerator programs because they're kind of required to, <laughs> to uh, reincorporate in the States to be able to accept investments from U.S. Mm -hmm. investors. Yeah. Um, well, some U.S. investors, um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it's the case for every every company. Got it. So I'm curious. Uh, that's my standard question to all my investor speakers. What do you think are the mm. three must-have points on the pitch deck? And I'm curious if your answer is going to be very different from the answer of the U.S.-based investors. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, let's let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll be curious too. So, three things I want to see on a pitch deck: um, a strong team. Um, I think a strong team with. Now, I'm really looking for two or three founders with you know executing three roles specifically: uh, domain expertise, um, someone on the data science side uh, who can figure out the AI models and uh, a machine learning engineer who can work, who can focus on the product. Sometimes it's two people, sometimes it's three people executing these roles, but that's, you know, one of the things that an absolute must have for me. Um, because I don't want companies outsourcing any of those roles. Definitely not the domain right. inside one. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the, the second thing is happy customers. Um, and that's, Really, it's it's. I, I want some sense that this is something that people are going to want to pay for, and this is a business that's going to be profitable. Um, happy customers, high retention, uh, unit economics of at least two to one, and growing, uh, or at least the potential for it, and so that you know they can hit that. Um, Got it. Yeah, they they can become profitable uh, uh -huh. as soon as possible. And the third one, uh, even though some VCs uh, frown on this, but I think it's a great way to be a little bit more capital efficient. What I want to see is uh, milestone aligned funding um, to demonstrate capital efficiency because it's you know it's different when you say so we're looking for. You know, half a million dollars uh, for the next eighteen months. Um, that's it. You know, we'll mm -hmm. reach out in eighteen months for our Series A, versus <laughs> a company that says, well, "You know, we're we're raising half a million dollars for the next six quarters, and these are our goals for the next six quarters." Right? You know, it, it just shows a level of thoughtfulness that I just don't want to have to 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 ask for it. You know, um, so I. Because when I, I find that when I have to ask for it, there's a lot of other things they haven't thought about, um, and I don't know why. This isn't more common, uh, but those are three absolute must-haves. So I'd be interested to know what other uh, VCs uh, look for. It's actually pretty similar. The, the the team is probably the among the first, uh, the first on this three-point list. So and and uh, some numbers are definitely must. So. Yeah, it's pretty similar. I guess it's it's it applies to everyone in the world. Africa is no special, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to my last question. I like to ask all right. my speakers: What do you think are the three first steps that a founder should take to get the first check from an investor? The first three steps. Yep. Um, wow. Okay. So number one. Um, oh, there's so many steps. <laughs> Basically, the last step is, is, you know, is asking for money. Um, but everything else should be done before you want to, you want to know your numbers, you want to um, be able to f know which metrics you are monitoring um, to get a sense of how well the business is doing. And, and the, the three things I talked about before, you want to have a strong team, growing market, happy customers, and a strong growing market. Because um, happy customers in a declining or stagnant market isn't good either. Um, so in a growing market will be good. Um, 
well, you also definitely want to understand if your company, you know, and and the 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 round, the 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 stage of the company, the vertical of the company, uh, the amount you're raising are in a sweet spot of the company. Because I can't tell you how many times um, companies, uh, uh, I mean, the kind of companies I'm looking for are clearly stated on the website. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten companies from out of left left field, <clears throat> left field reaching out to me. And it just feels like they're reaching out to every investor they can get their hands on, which isn't very smart in my opinion. Um, but I think those are some of the things that you, you want to get, you want to check off the list before you reach out to an investor. Great. That's a great list. And <laughs> on this positive, I think that's the, the, the last list I think is always a positive note. So I like to finish on that. And we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, Asai, a lot for taking your time to participate. I know you're really busy raising your own fund right now, but thanks for taking your time to come out here and to share your knowledge. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've really appreciated being on here with you and having this conversation. And I hope that at least listeners find it helpful. Uh, I definitely hope that more people take a stronger interest in Africa and take a hard look. And uh, I'd be happy to help any way I can. Thank Absolutely. you again for having me. Right.